Good evening, good morning to those tuning in to the show. Once again, I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and y'all already know by now, I always get the last word. And guys, we're going to jump right into it today. We're going to jump into the NBA news and just speak briefly on the NBA playoffs, you know, news, rumors, things of that nature. And I want to start off with, is a bit of news here, and it's out of Dallas and the Mavericks, who, of course, just recently lost to the... LA Clippers in a seven game series. It was in fact one of the only series, if not the only series, that you ever seen a road team win as much. And the fact for you, the first six games were all won by the away team. Never has happened in the NBA, excuse me, history before in the playoffs. Absolutely insane. Both teams wanted it more than the other. You know, the Clippers ended up edging the Mavericks out as I predicted them to. They did scare me a little bit because I had them winning in six, but the Mavericks put up a hell of a fight. Luka Doncic, man, is becoming a superstar right before our eyes. I don't know if it's just because he has the Clippers numbers, number Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the guys, but, man, he put up superstar numbers against them, man. It was Mightily impressive to see and watch, man, in all honesty. But at the end of the day, that's not what I want to discuss. As you all may know by now, there are rumors and news going around circulating throughout Dallas and the locker room saying that Christos Porzingis is not happy or comfortable with his role. He doesn't feel as if he's a co-star. He feels more as an afterthought. And... This is going to definitely spark some disgruntled people in the front office as well as the locker room because Christos Porzingis is let me let me let me just read you guys. First of all, let me read you guys his numbers from the series. Give me a second. Let me I'll pull them up real flat fast, I promise you. Now, mind you, Christos Porzingis is a starter. He's a guy who has been a walking injury since I say his second year with the Knicks. He's been a walking injury. He's been in the league only six years. He's still relatively young. He's only 25 years old. I'm saying relatively young, like 25 isn't young. He's extremely young still. He has a lot of room to grow, but he's 7'3 and he's had an enormous amount of injuries, guys. I mean, 7'3 people does just all of a sudden be pinnacle of health when they already had multiple injury concerns. It's the reason why you see dudes like Jordan B still sit. It's the reason why a guy like Anthony Davis gets hurt as often as he does. It's, it's already hard enough to come back from some of these injuries. So for you to be that big and to suffer these injuries consistently, it's going to be hard to recover, especially as your career keep going forward. Excuse me. I had to just drink some water real quick, guys. But with that being said, it's hard to truly come back all into your hole. Now, with that being said, not to make any excuses for Chris Tassel for Zingas, because at the end of the day, he has to be better. He just has to. I mean, for the next three years, he is set to make $100 million. He's making max money. He has to be better, period, point blank. This guy, 33-minute average. Y'all heard that. In 33 minutes, he's the second scoring option on this team. He's... He's supposed to have came in and been that co-star that he wants to be. He got paid as such. So it's not, it's not that the Mavericks don't see him as that. 
They clearly see you as, as that co-star if they gave you $100 million. They gave you max money. Even when you were hurt, they gave you the max money because they believed in you that much. So I'm not listening to the fact that they're treating him a certain way. No, it's what he's not showing and proving. In 33-minute average, this guy averages 13 points and one assist a game and five rebounds. This, please, guys, bear in mind. Listen to me. I know Chris Tots for Zingas is not a bruiser. I know he's not a brute. I know he's not going to get on the block and be uber-aggressive or ultra-aggressive against someone. But he's 7-3. You're telling me my guy is the biggest guy on the court each and every night, especially against the Clippers, who purposely run small because that's when they feel as if they're at their best. I mean, he's, he's being guarded. By wings and guards. I'm talking about Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. You know, as good as defenders they are, it's no way in hell a guy 6'9", 6'8", whatever Paul George is, another guy who's 6'7", should be able to guard you. It should be no way in hell. It just shouldn't be. I don't care how good of a defender they are. You're literally eight inches bigger than both of them. You can literally get whatever shot you want over both of them. And then on top of that, he's I see him getting defended by guys like Terrence Mann and Rajar Rondo, and he's settling for jumpers. To me, at that point, it's not about what your game is. At that point, it's about whether or not are you truly trying to get a bucket. Are you truly trying to become a focal point? Because when you see Luke versus a guy like Luka, he gets a mismatch on him. He's taking advantage of it every time. Did he make you know, crazy shots or whatever the case may be, or crazy decisions. Yes, every player does. But he consistently won more matchups than he's lost. Chris Thompson Zingas is out there just settling in for 16-footers when he doesn't need to. You can literally back a guy down two feet in the post and you're at the rim. Who on that team outside of Zubats was contesting his jumpers? Who? No one. So for him to be averaging 13 points in that series, man, is... Absolutely terrible. I, listen, it's not that 13 points is solid because it is. But for a guy, for hit, I don't know, let me put it in more perspective for you guys. Out of the, his last game, he played 42 minutes, 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 for 12 shooting. 0 for 5 from 3. And if I were to sit here to tell you guys that was his best game in the series, you would say Tavares. Are you serious? That's that sounds like a lot. Well, guys, outside of the the first, I mean not the first game, outside of the second game, th- this was his best game. I mean, his first his the second game, he had 20 points, four rebounds. Again, that is inexcusable for me. A guy his size. You had to give me at least eight rebounds a game, man. I'm sorry. I don't. I know it's not your game. I know you're not a bruiser, but come on, bro. You have you have to be in the painted area more than you are. Four rebounds. He went eight for twelve shooting, really efficient. Three for four from three. He had three steals this game as well. Again, played extremely well. But if my second best player has only, let's see. Only two good games throughout this series. We're going to lose. I mean, guys are going to look at, oh, well, he played good 
you know, game four. I mean, 18-5, 7 for 12 shooting, that's solid numbers, but you're my second best. My second, listen, guys, listen. In today's NBA, man, you need a consistent second player. Chris Tosposinga is, is consistently playing below average. Look at these two, look at these two look at these two games where the the Mavericks had an opportunity to close out the series. Combined, he had 15 points in both games. In game five, he had eight points. Game six, he had seven. Combined, he had 11 rebounds. Game five, he had 11 rebounds. Game six, he had five. I mean, it's, it's inexcusable, man. At some point, he has to be honest with himself and say, I have to be better. It's not that you're not being treated as the co-star because they gave you the money. They gave you the role. They literally put other players around you and Luka for you all to succeed. I mean, if you, I mean, he literally got outplayed in this series by Tim Hardaway Jr., who, who in the trade with the Knicks was just really thrown in to make the trade happen. And, and Tim Hardaway played a better series than Christos Porzingis. Don't believe me? I'll read the numbers. He averaged 37 minutes a game, 17 more points. He averaged one assist just like him, three rebounds. He shot 40% from three, and he shot 55% on his true shooting percentage. He, he, he played great. In terms of what they're asking for Tim Hardaway to be, is just a three and D type of guy. He played phenomenal. And he is outscoring your second option supposed to be co-star. And he's not nearly getting as nearly as many touches as Christos Porzingis. Now, did he shoot more? Yes, because at the end of the day, he's a shooter. But when I say touches, I'm not just talking about shots. I'm talking about you're actually touching the ball and they're giving it to you to create or do something with it. They're not asking Tim Hardaway to do that more than Porzingis. They're not. No team is asking a role who that someone they view as a role player to get more touches in the second scoring option. The reason why I started to go that way was because Tim Hardaway became the second best player on the team throughout the series. That's that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, Christoph Spozingas doesn't have to accept that, but that is the truth. He became the best player after Luka. He he just did. Now if if Christos Porzingis wasn't looking himself in the mirror be honest about that, that's fine. But at the end of the day, if you're going to go and you're going to be disgruntled because, oh, I don't feel as if I'm being given my fair share or, you know, I'm not given the opportunity that I was told I would be given once I came here because I was told I was going to be this, but I'm this. No. It's, he has no room right now to discuss in any way, shape, or form that he feels uncomfortable or, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Mistreated because of the lack of the, I don't know, the lack of anything like him in terms of wanting to feel like the co-star or be that co-star instead of an afterthought. You got to show it first, man. You, you've got to show it first. You're, you haven't played good, Mr. Chris Tosposigas. You haven't looked good. I mean, you had solid games, but, man, you need more than solid if you want to be looked at as a quote-unquote co-star. You look at co-stars around the league. Chris Middleton, who is a honestly an afterthought for many people, he's a co-star. 
He plays phenomenal. He almost joined the 5090 Club the year before. Look at another co-stars, Kyrie Irving, phenomenal. Look at another co-star, Jalen Brown, phenomenal. I mean, the list goes on and on. Bam Adebayo, you know, it, it could go on and on forever. He is nowhere near those guys. In terms of even him even staying healthy, he's not. I mean, it's, it's, just not hard to, it's just not hard to understand why. I mean, even if what, there's, what the reports are saying are true, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he's dealt. I mean, I, I believe they should deal him. Because he's clearly not what they he's clearly not what they signed for. He's not. Now with all that being said, I want to get off into actually congratulating the Clippers on moving on to the next round where they just played their first game tonight. Utah took the game tonight. And crazy part about it, the Clippers should be worried. I had the Clippers winning this series again. I had the Clippers actually making it out of the West. But Excuse me. With that being said, the Clippers should be worried. The Jazz started this game in the first quarter. They missed 21 straight shots. Let me let me let me say that one more time. The Jazz started off this game and they missed 21 straight shots. You know how large of a lead the Clippers built from that? Their largest lead was 14. After a team Missed 21 straight shots to begin the game. I'm sorry. You missed 21 straight shots. You should be losing by 40. 21 straight shots. That literally means you went about five minutes throughout the game and didn't make one jumper. How are you not down by 30? The Clippers should be worried. Because not only did the Jazz win this game, but they started off so slow without Mike Conley, I might add, and still put this off. And he is questionable for the next game. So he's going to come back in this series. It's just about when. This was one the Clippers could have desperately used in their favor, but this came up short. That's all it was. But at the end of the day, I still think the Clippers will take this series. I just think... Better, better team overall in terms of talent. Not, I'm not gonna say coaching. I don't, I don't believe in Ty Lue at all. I believe in Quinn Snyder before I believe in Ty Lue. But at the end of the day, I just, I just look at it like this: when you have two really good wing defenders in the league that is dominated by wings and guards, you should be able to match the world. It's anyone. And I say that after, you know, Donovan Mitchell just finished the game with 45 points. But still, that's how I look at it. And with that being said, the other playoff matchups we got so far, this, the Phoenix Suns took their victory over the newly crowned MVP in Nikola Jokic, who, in fun fact for you guys, is actually the latest drafted MVP in NBA history. As you all know, Nikola Jokic is drafted, I believe, 41st overall, I believe. And he actually is the latest draft pick to ever win MVP. I think that's absolutely absurd. And he's a guy who is honestly, he's worked for everything he has, man. I respect the hell out of it. He's one of the most skilled bigs this game has ever seen, regardless if you want to admit that or not, he is. And... 
They're only going to get better with him. That's what's scary, man. He's still young. They need. They definitely need Jamal Murray back. I mean, they have really, really good supporting cast, supporting players, I should say, around them, though. But, man, once Jamal Murray comes back, and, and they, they still... If Michael Porter Jr. can continue to develop, and I, I just wish he was a little bit better defender. He doesn't need to be Ben Simmons out there, but if he was a little bit better of a defender, like at least consistent, I think he'll be a guy that would be absolutely dominant, man. And I think he'll make them a title contender. On the flip side, for the Suns, I think the Suns, man, honestly have a chance, man. I think this is honestly... Chris Paul's last opportunity to actually get that ring that he, his, I wouldn't say desperately need, but man, it would completely prepare him into a top three point guard argument of all time. It, that's all he's missing, man. If Chris Paul can literally just get that ring, that one ring, because I, if he, if the, if he goes and wins with the Suns, he's he's going to be the Finals MVP. It's, it's no doubt in my mind. I don't I don't care if he goes out there and averages eight points on twelve assists. I mean, he he does that. He's winning the Finals MVP. I mean, the Suns haven't won nothing at all. The day, the year he comes there, they win a whole entire championship. Yes, it's his by default. I'm sorry, Devin Booker. I love you. Think you're a great scorer and a great player, but nah, he has to get that. I like DeAndre Ayton, too. He's been playing really well throughout the playoffs, but no, it has to be Chris Paul. But at the end of the day, I look at it like this. The Suns are this, they're so close to being true title contenders. I just, I just have to see, I just have to see it happen, though. I, I just can't. Mikael Bridges has been playing well. I think Cameron Payne has truly stepped up his game. I mean, this is a guy who was out on his way out of the league, and the Suns are seeing to resurrect his career. So more than happy for him. And I like Jay Crowd. I think he's a really good nitty-gritty type of player, 3 and D guy. I like, like I said, I like DeAndre Ayton. But it, I just they're they're not as they're they're not as talented. As the Clippers, but I think they work harder and they play with more grit and determination than them. And that's what's going to be the difference if those two were to meet in the West Conference Finals. Because if they if they meet Utah, I think they beat Utah. I mean, I'm just being honest. I think they beat Utah. I think it's going to be the battle of two really good bigs against two really good shooting guards of the future. Chris Paul, the Hall of Famer. Mike Conley, the possible Hall of Famer. It's going to be a battle of good coaching. Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder. But I'd take the Suns in that series in five or six easily. Easily, if I'm being honest with you. But at the end of the day, Suns, I got to see more, man. I mean, they showing me, but I, I just, it's just hard for me to say that they're my lot to come out in the West. This is going out east, though. You know, the, the 76 actually won their game today against the Hawks, and, man, Joel Embiid had himself a day. I mean, a 40-point game. You know, he lived at the free throw line today. Absolutely, he was dominant. Double-double post. I believe he had 13 rebounds. I'm not fully sure. And he just absolutely dominated. He was showing why he was an MVP favorite before he got hurt. And again, 
Just like I said with Chris Osmozingas, man, when you suffer injuries like that, especially at that size, it's hard to fully recover, man. That so it's gonna be something Joe and the B definitely has to battle his way from because at the end of the day, it's not gonna be easy. It's not. But I like Joe and the B. I I personally believe he's the best center in the league. I know Nikola Jokic just won MVP, and he's doing all these amazing things for the Nuggets to even still be in contention right now. But at the end of the day, my center, you have to be a rim protector. Me, personally, that is just something I am big on. You have to be a rim protector. I mean, yeah, I love the fact that he could pass and make plays, but I'm not looking for that out of my center. It's a plus. Don't get me wrong. It's a good attribute for a guy his size to have, but... My guy, I want my guy to be a rim protector. Nikola Jokic is a center. Guys literally attacking on post or in the painted area. I don't want that under my center. I just don't. I mean, that's me personally. It's not nothing against Nikola Jokic at all. It's not nothing against him. But that's just not my cup of tea in terms of centers. Now, with that being said, the other games we have going on out east, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the Bucks are done. I mean, and, and this is this is what I want to speak on really quick. This is all I want to speak on. I think <sighs> I hate to say this because I'm a big fan of Giannis. I think he has a chance to be a very, 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 very historical player in this league. But his game has to improve. It's that it's just that simple. It's Killing the Bucks right now that he's just literally a straight line player. That that that's literally him at his best in the straight line, driving, dunking, layups. That's his game. He has no half court game. His dribble is it's kind of it's kind of it's not terrible, but it's it's weak. He has no handles. He has no go to moves outside of running the dunking. He of course we all know he has shot dilemma his shot problems and honestly man he's making the offense real stagnant right now because his playmaking isn't terrible but it isn't the best so when guys are moving he's not seeing some guys at times and if he does see him sometimes it could be too late or sometimes it's a good pass by him. he's not the best playmaker though so and another thing the Bucks coach, I, I might say his name wrong, Budenheiser, I believe. Mike Budenheiser. I'm, I may be saying his name wrong, guys. Do not, please don't hang me for that. But it, listen, no disrespect to you for saying your name, um, in the, in the, not appropriately, but wrong for saying it wrong and incorrect. You have to go. He has to be fired. Once the Bucks lose this series, and man, if they get swept, he's gone. He won't be able to fly back. He won't have to fly back. They will beat him in Milwaukee. He will have to go ask him to clear his desk same day. Because it makes no sense for him to continuously build these super talented and have super good regular seasons and to not even make one finals yet. And you have a talented team. Not one final appearance. I mean, guys, like I, I know I just got on Giannis for his limited game, but 
A lot of coaching has to do with that. Are you, what what position are you putting your players in success to be successful? In a position to be successful. Prime example of this: when Jeff T checked in for the game, one of you guys, Jeff T played eight minutes, and you know what the guy, you know what guys, the Bucks in that eight minutes went negative, had a negative eleven point differential against the Nets. Differential. Now, is that Giannis' fault? No, that is purely coaching. And again, their defensive assignments, I've said this multiple times, are terrible. They're absolutely horrible. When James Harden was playing, and he, you know, before he got hurt within, I think, 30 seconds, who was on him? Chris Middleton, which I predict. That's okay. He should be there. No, wait. That's not who was on him. This was the matchups. My apologies. They were even worse than I expected. James Harden had Drew Holiday on that's who was on. Not that Drew is a bad defender or anything like that, but I would much rather have Drew Holiday on Kyrie Irving. Why? Because he's the bigger guard. He can make him uncomfortable. It's not just because he plays point guard and he plays point guard. No, he's the bigger guard. He can make him uncomfortable, make shots more difficult for him. He's just as quick on his feet. And on top of that, Drew Holiday is going to make him work on the other end as well. So he's, he has the opportunity to tire him out on both ends. I wanted Chris Middleton on James Harden because his length, his ability to affect shots, he can still contest shots even on the step backs because of his range and his arms. And again, he's another guy, just like I said with Drew Holiday and Kyrie. He'll make him work on the other end. And the Giannis and Kevin Durant matchup is literally just a no-brainer. I mean, Giannis is literally the only guy in the league from a physical Standpoint. I'm talking about a guy who's literally has the same attributes, has even who to me is even more explosive and is even more athletic than James. I mean, not James Harden, Kevin Durant. He's the one guy in the league who can match up with this guy from a physical standpoint. And he doesn't start the game on this guy. Giannis started off on Kyrie. Chris Middleton started off on Kevin Durant, and Drew Holiday played James Harden. Those are terrible defensive matchups to me. They're terrible. That's not to say any of those guys are bad defenders or they can't hold their own against these guys, but they're, they're natural best matchups across the board. They're not. He could sit here and say why he did whatever he did and give him any reason he wants to give. It's bad matchups. And it's shown his bad matchups because why? You just got 40-piece the, the other day almost. You lost about 39. Then the game before that, you lost that one even when the, the um, distributor of the team went down. So, no, it's not just Giannis. Coaching is a huge part of it. And, he ha- and man, I, I just don't think it could get better, man. At this point, I think it's time for them to cut their losses and just go find them another coach. But at the end of the day, Giannis does have to be better. He has to be better because you're not going to win the championship just running the Duncan. You're not. I mean, I know James Harden said it. He said that, you know, it takes skill to actually play this game. And basically not. And he said, you know, it's easy to just run the dunk when you're seven feet tall. Like he was saying, I wish I could do that. I actually have to learn how to play basketball and learn skill. I mean, you're not wrong. And now, Giannis, it's time to prove him wrong because it's looking truer by the day, my man. Ever since that interview, 
Now, with that being said, this is some little NFL news. And my NFL news today, guys, will just be this. I will be start I will be starting to break down film for players, you know, for def- defenses, offensive scheme, what's worked for these teams, things of that nature. I will start doing that. And the first episode I will be making, it will be newly acquired receiver for the Tennessee Titans and Julio Jones. Y'all keep a lookout on that. I will be uploading that on Monday. So Y'all give me a few days to just edit some stuff and things like that and truly give y'all a breakdown of what exactly he will be bringing to the table for Tennessee. So y'all stay tuned for that. And that'll be it for the show today, guys. Just really wanting to run through that NBA news and stuff like that. But, and also, you know, tell y'all that Nicole Jokic did win MVP. And Tom Thibodeau did win Coach of the Year for the New York Knicks. Regardless that they went out with pretty badly. The Knicks still had a oh they overachieved period. I mean they did. No one had them going to the playoffs. I know for sure I didn't, but they did, and that in itself is an accomplishment. But again, guys, thank you all for your time. Hope you have a great morning, great night, whatever time you're listening to this. Be sure to subscribe to the channel on YouTube at Last Word Productions, and y'all remember I'm on every social media platform as well as streaming on every podcast server. Thank you all again, and I see y'all in the next one.